Hello, good evening. We are starting um, a study looking at Psalm 119. And you'll be glad to know we're not going to read it all in one evening. Um, we're going to read the first eight verses. So if you turn with me to the Psalms and chapter 118, sorry, 19, that's a test that was. Um, we'll just read the first eight verses. Blessed are those whose way is blameless. Who walk in the law of the Lord, blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong, but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently, oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes, that I shall not be put to shame. Having my eyes fixed on all your commandments, I will praise you with an upright heart. When I learn your righteous rules, I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. May the Lord bless the reading of his holy word. Amen. The Psalms in general are not only, if you like, an anatomy of the Christian soul. We see every aspect of the heart life of the believer displayed for us in the Psalms. They also show us the way, the Psalms also show us the way of true piety. Very often in our in our culture, in our world, when we hear the word piety, we th- people say it with a sneer almost as a bad thing. It's something which describes people who are holier than thou um, and what they do or talk about. But piety is a wonderful word and I want to restore the word piety. It's been defined as meaning the life of God in the soul of man. Or piety could mean living to God. Or we could define piety as the way of life for the believer taught in scripture and experienced in life. Psalm 119 teaches us about Christian piety. You see, the Psalms are not only an anatomy of a Christian soul. They teach us the way of true piety. The the way of true living with God. And to, to God from the fullness of our hearts being being ex- expressed in all aspects of our lives. If someone told you that they could teach you the secret of true happiness and deliver, would you be interested? If somebody told you they could teach you the secret of Christian resolution, would you be interested? If someone to- told you they could teach you to believe to live the christian life in the tension between what you want to do and who you want to be and who you often end up being and what you often end up doing would you be interested the psalm does all these things and more and we're going to begin a journey through it together tonight for the good of our souls and for god's glory the glory of god and for the good of all of us number one god's word is god's word I want you to remember that we stand on that. We need to remember that. And I'm not just being redundant or repetitive. I'm saying that when we read the word of God, we need to remember whose word it is. Because we are so often apt to place our opinions on the level of God's truth and fail to realise the uniqueness of having God's word given to us to read, to pray, to hear, to listen to, to understand, to respond to. 
And the psalmist in many ways, in the passage that we've read tonight, presses home this truth that God's word is the word of God. It belongs to God. It comes from God. It is his possession given to us. It is his revelation. Look how he does this. In verse 1, he speaks of the law. He's going to use different names for the word of God throughout Psalm 119. Sometime later in this exposition, we will categorize, categorize some of those terms that he uses for the law. And we'll talk about some of the slight differences and the shades of meaning. But right now, I want you to understand in general, he speaks of the word of God as the law in verse 1. But what does he call it? He doesn't just call it the law. He calls it the law of the Lord. The law is not just the law. It is the Lord's law. God's word is God's word. Look at verse 2. He speaks of testimonies, God's testimonies. The emphasis is these testimonies come from God. In verse 3, he speaks of ways. And way is a biblical way of talking about a way of living, a path of life, a manner of living. But in verse 3, he does not just say ways, he says his ways. In verse 4, he speaks of precepts, which is another term used for the word of God, the law of God. But he doesn't just say precepts, he says your God's precepts. In verse 5, he speaks of statutes, doesn't he? Another term he uses for the word of God, the law of God. But he doesn't just say statutes, he says your statutes. In verse 6, he speaks of your commandments. In verse 7, he speaks of your righteous rules. And in verse 8, he speaks again of your statutes. Do you get the emphasis? The psalmist wants us to understand that God's word is God's word. He wants us to reckon with that, to believe it, that these are not our ideas. These are not man's witness to God's revelation. These are God's words to his people. They are revelation written and they come from God. They're inspired of God. They are authored by God. God's word is God's word. And this is hugely important for the Christian life, especially in our day and time where on every side the authority of the word of God is under assault. If you see the word of God mentioned in our culture today, it is so often denigrated, questioned, undermined. And the psalmist wants us to get it straight in our minds right at the outset that God's word is God's word. We want you to be resting in confidence in the truth that the Bible is the word of God. We have staked our lives on it here and hereafter. And the beginning of the true way of life is confidence in God's word. That's the first thing I want us to see. The second thing I want us to see is the way of blessing and happiness. In verses 1 and 2, the psalmist teaches us that the way of blessing and happiness is the way of the word. The way of true blessing and happiness is the way of the word. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the way of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart. Now, I want to tell you about a mystery and an irony. The mystery and the irony of this is that we know that scripture says this. Scripture doesn't, does not only say it here in Psalm 119, it says it in Psalm 1. Psalm 119 in many ways is elaborating on Psalm 1. This is said over and over in the Bible that true blessedness is walking according to the word of God. We know that scripture says that. And furthermore, our experience even confirms that. 
If you are a believer, you know that the times of deepest blessing that you have ever experienced is when your life, your desires, your purposes have been shaped by the word of God. And I'm not saying that those times have been the most trouble free. It is the testimony of many of you that it was in the times of greatest trouble you experienced the greatest blessing. I certainly can testify to that. Because what you cared about wasn't freedom from temporal trouble, but the presence of the living God, fellowship with the living God. Your goals were drawn from scripture. Your motivation was drawn from scripture and your desires were directed by scripture. So both in scripture and in providence, you have tasted and seen that it is true, that true blessedness, real happiness is when you're walking in the word. You're walking according to the word. But here is the mystery. Here is the irony. The irony is also that our experience sometimes sorely tempts us to disbelieve that. I mean, every time we sin, every time we sin, we are in some form or fashion and to some degree questioning this, this truth. If you take something that is not yours, why do you do that? You do it to increase your joy. God's word says it won't increase your joy. It will diminish your joy. So when you do it, what are you saying? You're saying, I know better than God. I have a better way to joy than God does. So every time we sin in our Christian experience, we are in some way calling into question the truth that the way of blessing and happiness is the way according to the word. So there's an irony that we have to wrestle with. And the psalmist is very aware of this. You're going to see this clearly in the passage tonight. The psalmist is not just throwing out platitudes. You know, you want to be happy or take two scriptures and call me in the morning. No, the psalmist is not throwing out platitudes. He knows the fight of faith. He is going to use very strong words about that fight of faith in the very final verse we study tonight. But the psalmist also knows that for the believer, both the Bible teaches and providence confirms that true happiness is only found when you're walking in the way of the word. Listen to what William Plumer says. No man has taken the first step towards real abiding blessedness unless he has become a sincere and habitual servant of the Most High God, according to Scripture. What is William Plumer saying? He is saying you do not know the first thing about happiness until you've taken that first step toward living for the Most High God according to his word. Because it is there that the street address of blessedness is found and nowhere else. No matter what Satan says, no matter what the temptations of your own heart says, no matter what contradicting experience says, the street address of blessedness is found only in the way of the Lord in his word. Three, the way of the Lord is about walk, not talk. Look at verse one and two again, powerful truth for the Christian life. The way of the Lord is about walk, not talk. The way of the Lord is about walk, not talk. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the word. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong, but walk in his ways. Way, walk, keep, seek, do, walk. And all of these terms indicate a way of living. 
not just saying the right words, thinking the right thoughts, being able to engage intelligently and articulately in whatever the theological discussion is, but living it out. That's why some of the most godliest people you will ever meet may not be able to have deep and profound discourse about intricate aspects of theological issues, but they live out the word. They love the Lord. They love the word. They live it out. They're not just there. They are not just in it for the talk. They're also in it for the walk. Listen to what Matthew Henry says. It will not serve us to make religion merely the subject of our discourse. We must make it the rule of our walk. And that is the point the psalmist is making. The way of blessedness is not about talk. It is about walk. It's not about being able to have theologically correct conversations. It is about living out the truth. It is God's will that we pursue and grow in holiness. Look at verses four and five. It is God's will, purposed in his providence, propounded in his scripture, that we pursue and grow in holiness. It is God's will, purposed in his providence, propounded in his scripture, that we pursue and grow in holiness. Listen again to listen again to the word of God. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. And those passages state, first of all, that the word of God is commanded in order that we keep it. And second of all, they reflect an aspiration, a resolution on the part of the Christian in his or her heart to live out the word of God. And both God's purpose in providence is that we would grow in holiness and is teaching in scripture that we might grow in holiness. Again, listen to what William Plumer says. In the arrangements of providence and in the teachings of scripture, everything rightly understood conduces to holiness. You know, if the Christian could have it his or her way, they would never sin again. If we could, when we're in the word, when the Lord is the light of our salvation, the one thing that we are tired of is our own sin. And if in those moments we could sign up for the deepest desire of our hearts, we would say, Lord, sign me up for never sinning against you again. I never want to rob you of your glory again. I never, ever want to do it. I do not want to do it because your loving kindness is better than life. In your courts is joy evermore. In your presence and provision is true blessedness. That is where I want to live. I do not want to live outside of your blessing, but that is where sin takes me. I do not want to live outside your joy, but that's where sin takes me. I do not want to rob your glory, and that is what is involved in my sinning against you. The believer is just tired of sinning. We do not want to do it anymore. Why? Because we know that God's purpose in providence and we know his teaching in scripture is designed to be conducive to our growing in holiness so we can grow in happiness and blessedness because these things are inseparably joined. You cannot grow in holiness without growing in happiness and you cannot grow in happiness without growing in holiness. They are inseparably joined. Christian holiness is comprehensive. Look at look at look at look at verse six. Christian holiness is comprehensive. It tends to all of God's commands. Listen to what the psalmist says in verse six. Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. True piety, true living to God, truly walking with God, 
true piety is not indifferent to any of God's commandments. Have you ever had the experience where you are attendant to God's word, but there is this area where you are not attendant to God's word and you know it? And that is the thing that always gets you. A godly Christian fighting a losing battle against jealousy and they do not attend to the fight, that is what gets them. Or a godly Christian fighting a losing battle against bitterness and they do not attend to that fight and lets it go. John Owen said, didn't he, be killing sin or it will be killing you. True godliness is not indifferent to any of God's commandments. And it knows that if we allow sin to be nurtured in one place in our life, sure enough, Satan will use that place to bring us to grief. Six, true piety is based on God's word. Look at verse seven. True piety, living the Christian life, the Bible way. True Christian piety is based on the word of God. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. The foundation for Christian living is the word of God. Understanding that word of God. True Christian piety, truly living to God, is based on sound knowledge and theology. That is why the psalmist will say that the lamp of truth is the light of our path. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The path, the feet, reflect walking, living, But what lights it? What guides you? The word of God. True Christian piety is based on the word of God, which is why Matthew Henry said, as long as we live, we must be scholars in Christ's school and sit at his feet. That's why we encourage you to study the Bible at home. Make, you know, I think thought about this in lockdown when people had more time on their hands. How many people filled it with reading more of the word of God? That's why we are big on the word of God. The women's Bible study that was meeting at the Wild Strawberry and we hope will soon pick up again. That's why we do tea and theology. That's why we are have two services on the Lord's Day. That's why we have a midweek Bible study. Why are we in, in the word? So that we can know things that other people do not? No. So that we can impress our less biblically Ill- illiterate friends With our knowledge of scripture? No. Because the life of blessedness, the Christian life, is based on the word of God. We want to be with God. We want to walk with God. We want to know true blessedness. We want to bless others. And the only way to do that is if our lives are based on the word of God. If you love the law of the Lord, you don't find it boring. But if you don't love it, you'll find it boring. If we're not studying the word of God for the right reasons, then chances are that we're not studying it at all. John Calvin said, no one will worship God sincerely and cordially. In other words, you will not worship God for the right reason, not to impress somebody else, but truly, sincerely. You will not worship God from your heart unless he has made such progress in Christ's school as to mould his life into subjection to his word. It reminds me of the Great Commission when Jesus tells the disciples to go to all nations. What does he tell them to do? Teach them to obey all that I have commanded you. And Calvin is saying that we will never worship God sincerely from our hearts unless we're subjecting the whole of our lives to that which Jesus has commanded. We will never worship God sincerely and from the heart 
unless we've subjected ourselves to the word of God, because true Christian piety is based on God's word. Seven, to walk with the Lord requires resolution and utter dependence on God's grace. Look at verse eight. To walk with the Lord requires resolution and utter dependence on God's grace. Listen to the resolve in the first part of verse eight and then listen to the desperation in the second part. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. Now, you can read that and we read it quickly because we know it's there. But what are they doing together? Or did it make sense to you? Lord, I want to do your word. Lord, I know I do not do your word. Lord, I want to walk according to your word. Lord, I fall flat on my face. Help, do not leave me. Which is what's going on in the psalmist's heart. Those who are most godly in their resolve for holiness are least confident in their ability to follow God's commandments through their own resolve. So they cry out to God in desperation for help. That's why the psalmist is not throwing platitudes out. He knows the struggle. You've sensed this struggle throughout the psalm, but you can't miss it. In verse 8, Lord, I want to be a Christian. I want to walk according to your word. But I know in the minute I make that resolve, I'm going to fail. I'm going to step right out of this room and fail. Do not forsake me. Listen again to what William Plumer says. These eight verses teach us that true piety is sincere, consistent, practical, hearty, intelligent, earnest, active, stirring, diligent, humble, distrustful of itself, symmetrical, guileless, unspotted from the world, self-renouncing, confidence in God, delighting in thankfulness, fully purposed to keep the law and ready to confess without God's grace, it cannot do any of it. That's piety. So do you see how God's word and the gospel, God's grace go together in the living of the Christian life? It's right there. All you have to do is Psalm 119 verse 8. It's all right there. If you could read a book that taught you true happiness, if you could read a book that helped you live the Christian life, if you could read a book that resolved the tensions of your contradictory aspirations and then your fumblings and stumblings in the Christian life, would you? I invite you to read Psalm 119.